Welcome to the second episode of the QCast. Uh, I'm once again going to be joined by my buddy Amir Beruzian, but this one's a little bit different. This is his podcast over at 21pod.com, and you can check that out by grabbing your own podcatcher and finding that. I'll link it down below. Uh, But this is uh, that podcast we did today, um, and I wanted to put it on this feed so the people that listen here could get a chance to catch him over there. Uh, So please subscribe here and over on his new podcast. Hey everyone, my name is Amir Beruzian. I want to thank you for tuning in to the very first episode of the 21 Pod. Uh, this is going to be a pretty random podcast uh, where we talk about random shit, and uh, I hope you can randomly enjoy it. Uh, and I'm super excited for the first episode. I wanted to have a special guest on, and I couldn't think of anybody better uh, than a lifelong friend of mine and somebody who has been instrumental in actually helping me learn to do whatever it is I'm doing right now. Uh, So, without any further uh, delays, I'd love to introduce you guys to my dear friend, uh, John Braverman. John, go ahead and say hi. Hey, buddy. How are you? Hey, dude. I am good. I'm good. I'm glad I finally figured out an introduction for this podcast. I'm excited for you. How's life in quarantine? Um, I showered today. That's good. Yeah, no, it's a it's a win. It's a win. That's what you do a week into quarantining. Did you put on pants? Uh shorts. Okay. Well, yeah, it's fine. like seventy some degrees here. Yeah. Yeah. I showered, I cut my hair. Um, and I have watched zero movies so far today. So, you know, Man. winning all around. Jeez Louise. Yeah. Wonders never cease. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Um, can't wait to watch a movie tonight. <laughs> when I think about basketball, I obviously I'm a much bigger Jordan fan because that's my era. That's when I, you know, grew up watching because you're old but i'm also more of a lebron fan and i can't believe that i would say that i think kobe was a better player well let me rephrase that let me rephrase that lebron is a better all-around player kobe kobe was the one player that reminded me the most of mike from a heart perspective from a drive perspective like from a tenacity nobody had that mike had that kobe had that lebron doesn't have that as much lebron I mean, you could say he's more of a steward of the game. It depends, I guess, on on your perspective of it. But he is a more all-around player, right? The stat line, the getting his team involved, doesn't necessarily want to take the last shot if there's somebody with a better chance of making it. Whereas a Mike or Kobe just said, just give me the ball, I'll figure it out. You picked a topic that's going to make the most amount of people hate us. I guess let's talk about this. So I... um... No, go ahead. Let's... uh... Let's let's talk about how Michael Jordan's not the best player ever. I think it's a great topic. Let's let's talk about it. You know what? Go ahead. I'm going to argue that he is. Oh, 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 you want me to insult our fans? I'll take the perspective that Michael Jordan is the best player of all time. No, Michael Jordan is the best player of all time. So there's no oh. reason to have this debate. Okay, but for for the fans and for the people who are listening, I say fans because you know we're we're at this point a few minutes into our first ever podcast for 21 pod and i assume that i just have a shitload of fans which i i have one and he's on the other side of this microphone so we both agree that jordan's the best player of all time what does that mean if you uh if the monsters came down and uh wanted to play a game that's that's your first pick 
um, is Michael Jordan. Well, yeah. I mean, if it's Michael Jordan or Bugs Bunny, yeah, I'm taking Michael Jordan every time. But um, <laughs> ironically, when you say Monstars, that movie right now is available to stream on like Hulu and Netflix. And I was, uh, you know, super bored during quarantine life. I was skimming through all the channels and I saw it. And for a second, I thought about adding it to my queue. And then I realized that this, I'm not going to watch it. So, well, okay. So, so yeah. So one of the great problems with sports debates is this cross era comparison thing, because it's, it's an unwinnable argument, right? The people that are in the Jordan's the best ever camp just say, well, LeBron couldn't have played in the hand check era. And that's why Jordan's the best of all time. Mm-hmm. Then the people that are in the LeBron camp say, hey, he's literally built physically like Carl Malone. Y- you think a hand check would have a problem with LeBron? In fact, he's probably better in the, the 90s because he can go with reckless abandon the hoop, throw people down, play aggressive. De- like He's actually probably more of a specimen then than he is right now. Okay. Um, and that's the, the reason those arguments never have any weight to me because then where do you put Russell in? Like he's the greatest winner of all time. Would he have gotten anywhere in the modern era? Probably not. Does that change anything? No, because in the era he played in, he was the most dominant of all time. So my, my Jordan point or my at least perspective on it is Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time for a couple of reasons. He was the guy you wanted with the ball with the last shot. He absolutely had the best work ethic of anyone. He had the most heart of any of the players out there. And at the end of the day, when you built a team or designed a team, that was the position that you wanted the best player in, in that version of basketball, having a great small forward, having a great power forward. You could argue maybe a great center and Hakeem Olajuwon at the same time being so fantastic and so instrumental to the game makes some sense. But Jordan was iconic in every way possible. And then branding wise, he displayed himself in a way that no one could ever be like. Well, he now where I he, he changed the entire industry yeah, from, from totally. branding wise. Yeah. And, and then then you go from Jordan to the next great one and that past the Hakeem, right? So the next great one that it hands off to you're right is Kobe. And Kobe is interesting because I I don't love Kobe and the player Kobe. I really appreciate because he was the physical embodiment of Jordan kind of looked like him game was similar to him, had the same drive, like all those same things you're saying, but I just never loved him the same way. Like I didn't, I didn't connect with him as viscerally, but fans did. I mean, especially in LA, I was in California at the time and the love for Kobe is I don't think there's ever been a player as adored. I don't think Jordan in Chicago was adored as Kobe in LA right now. Yeah, I, I think so. For me, Kobe is that transitional star, right? Kobe's the filler between Jordan and LeBron for generation to generation. Um, I get that fans in LA loved Kobe. I feel like fans in LA love every athlete. Fans in LA loved Magic. Yeah, but F- fans in LA loved Russell. So I mean, they they or Wilt. Well, they hated Russell. Well, they, Wilt. Sorry. They just love their players, and I get that. I think, you know, so here's the thing for me with Jordan. Jordan was by far the most dominant player in an era filled with dominant players. You know, if you take Jordan out of that whole era, think about how many amazing basketball players never won a title because of Jordan. 
or are never in the conversation where they might have been in the conversation if not for Jordan. Think about Carl Malone. Think about Patrick Ewing, Charles Barkley, you know, Akeem Olajuwon. He won, Olajuwon won two titles the two years Jordan didn't play in the finals. Like, uh, and he almost single-handedly put an end to Magic and Bird. Like, you had an amazing rivalry in those two athletes that spanned most of the 80s, and then here comes Mike, and he's like, I got this. And he just took it. He didn't wait for the passing of the torch. He said, I'm just going to come here, and I'm going to take it, and then I'm going to run with it until I can't do it anymore. Right. But that's the, the Simmons championship belt theory, right? Like, that's the idea that someone takes the belt. And they hold it until someone else takes it from them. You know, Magic had the belt and it was all turning to him and Bird. And then Jordan walked in one day and was like, no, nah, that's mine. That Give me that belt. Yeah, but, you know, I think post-Jordan, when you think of the, the era after Jordan, before LeBron, the Kobe era, there weren't that many dominant players. Not to say there weren't talented players, right? You had your David Robinsons and Tim Duncans. You had Shaq, you know. But uh, I mean, you just named two of the top ten players of all agreed. time. And David and, and I would actually put Tim Duncan and probably Shaq ahead of Kobe. I think Kobe is probably the eighth best player of all time. Yeah, I don't think he's. I'm not saying that he's necessarily better all time than they are. I guess what I'm saying is when you think about the 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 all stars or the superstars that played around Kobe, a lot of them were on the tail end of their career. They had just come off the Mike era, right? So you had Malone, you know, basically that entire 2005 Lakers team, minus Kobe, right, were coming on the tail end of, they were on the downhill slope of their careers. You had some amazing talents in San Antonio, but it wasn't the same kind of era that it was with Mike. It wasn't that dominant everywhere as it was with Mike. And I think you're seeing that now starting to come up again with LeBron towards the end of his career. You've got a lot of young stars. Uh, who seemingly came out of nowhere and just stepped into the limelight. And, you know, to your championship belt reference, look at Giannis. Like, Giannis three years ago was who? A dude on the Bucks that, whose name you couldn't even pronounce. I mean, you still can't pronounce his name. But Atentecupo. Yeah, 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 you practiced for a long time. Um, <laughs> but you got these, you know, people like Giannis who are just like, you can talk about LeBron all day long. I'm just going to slide in here quietly. I'm going to take the belt. And I'm going to leave, and good luck getting it back because I'm 23. He's looking at the belt. He hasn't taken anything. I mean, here's the great thing about the NBA right now, and this is why I will always love the NBA. I think it's my favorite sport and continues to be. I I think what you're talking about is nostalgic. I think when you talk about Charles Barkley and Carl Malone and, uh, okay, I mean, I don't think Carl Malone was was great. I think he was um, a beneficiary of John... Stockton throwing a beautiful assist on a play that in that particular defensive era worked really well. And he very systematically did the same thing every day and got to his number because of it, but he didn't win anything. And he was never the best player in the league. And I know he won an MVP, but he didn't deserve it that year. Jordan did. Mm -hmm. Um, Now I agree with you. There was a, a real bad downfall of talent after Jordan but I don't think it's because it was so good and then it got so bad. It it was one, it was a really interesting time in the NBA from a financial side, you know, documentaries like broke and stuff really originate right there. Right. There was all this money coming in. Think about like Glenn Robinson got paid coming into the league versus what 
Jordan got paid or even what a Trey Young gets paid now. It was astronomical. And we had the wrong talent. First off, we were fixated on these college talents like Keith Van Horn. <laughs> God help us. Wally Serbiak. Like these were the guys that people were putting stake in. Meanwhile, the EuroLeague was getting really good and people hadn't even looked at it yet. People like Dirk, Steve Nash, no one valued what they were good at. The the spacing was really wrong. The the shot clock was wrong. Like everything was set up wrong for the league. Um, and so they had to rebuild. I think they did a great job, right? When they went to the eight second rule and they changed a lot about the defensive rules. And mm-hmm. what was really interesting from there is so LeBron comes in. He's, you know, I, I think the thing I appreciate about LeBron and why he's my the second best player of all time for me. There's no reason that guy should be successful. He yes, physical gifts aside, for as much weight was put on that man to walk into the league at 18 years old with that pressure, that expectation. And to live up to it, I mean, that never happens. Well, like that never happens that anyone does. It that. doesn't. And I, it's interesting to bring that up. I I agree with you, and I think part of that obviously is LeBron, right? His ability to absorb everything, be mature about everything, not fall into the typical traps that a lot of people fall into. How much of that though are the people that he was lucky enough to be surrounded by? Yeah, but it's like the worst decision ever. He surrounded himself with his best friends from high school. But his best friends from high school, I know, his best friends from high school. <sighs> but keep in mind, he also went to a private school. It's not like his best friends I from mean, high school from uh, like the inner city. Sure, okay, but, but like, like, if you write the dumbest play possible, it's get rich early. Yeah. Surround yourself with your best friends as your decision makers. Yeah. And still find a way to be him and be level-headed. And this is what I love about LeBron. Uh, what you said almost critically is, I think, what will always go down is maybe the biggest criticism, but his biggest gift. He'll always make the right basketball play. You're not going to see LeBron jack up a shot in Game 7 of the Finals, fading backwards for no reason. He's going to make the right pass. Sometimes that works. Sometimes it didn't. Yeah. There were times early on in his career where it looked like the moment was too big for him. But, you know, when we go back and look at those Miami those seasons where he was not just the most physically dominant player in the league. He was statistically dominant. He was emotionally dominant. And sure, like he only got two titles out of that. But but look at what the man's going to say when it's all done. Let's say he would have won a title this year. And I, and I think the Lakers probably would have won it had we played out the season, which we'll see if we even have a season now. Um, I want to get to that because there's a really interesting thought I have. Uh, had he won a title this year and now he's saying, well, I've got four. That's Tim Duncan. That's Shaq. That's Kobe. Those are the big dog numbers. You know who it's not, though? It's not Robert Ori. Oh, yeah. Okay. Big shot, Bob. <laughs> well, so, okay. So let's wrap up this segment because I know you want to talk about quarantine. And, and that's something that obviously. Um, oh, I just want to talk NBA since there's no NBA. Yeah. Well, there's no nothing. Thanks to thanks to Q Life. And let's just end by saying that uh, he, here's what I'll leave you with. I am a much, much bigger fan of LeBron James at this point in his career than I was five years ago. Uh, and a, I, I agree. I yeah, agree. And, and part of that is obviously his maturity and the way he's evolved in the game of basketball. Uh, part of that is the way that he is evolving in the game of life uh, from his social stances to his political stances. And I'm not talking about what, what side or what party he's on, but um, he is using his platform to reach out to those who would not otherwise have a voice. 
And yeah, it's what Jordan never did. It, Jordan never had a point of no. view. It didn't matter what the point of view was. He just never no, displayed it. It wasn't his thing. He didn't want to get involved. It wasn't his whatever. So uh, I do appreciate that about LeBron. And uh, so with that said, you mentioned. Um, wait, oh, wait, no, no. I got an NBA thing. I got one more, one more NBA thing before we go. Okay, so let's we're we're in quarantine right now. It's end of week one, and it looks like if you look down the road, there's two different paths, right? So everyone goes into quarantine. This virus dies out, um, maybe temporarily, hopefully permanently, and the NBA comes back. Or there's a very scary road that looks like it's possible. Well, we're going to assume the positive one for just a minute, okay? So the NBA comes back, and I'm going to call it four weeks from right now. So four weeks from right now, the NBA decides they can get ready and play a game. Yeah. So that, that will mean that at a week between now, now and then for just getting ready... That will mean they have taken six weeks off when it's all said and done, right? Yeah. So let's say they play for one week, maybe two, to get ready for the playoffs, and then they start a playoff, right? Okay. So is Kevin Durant back for the Nets? And if so, because the season got pushed back two months and he's ready to play, are the Nets suddenly the scariest team in the East? Hmm. I think if I was Kevin Durant, I wouldn't come back this year. Not because... The upside is not there. I don't think that having not played with a team for an entire year, there's naturally going to be some, there's going to be some time it takes for you to get acclimated. Practice isn't the same. You can come back and play in the playoffs, and you're not going to win the championship this year. You're not going to beat Milwaukee. You won't. I, I, I have no faith in the Lopez brothers, or actually, no, they're in Milwaukee. I have full faith in the Lopez brothers now. And no faith on the team that they were formerly on, uh, and Kyrie and Kevin. I don't know. I uh, I don't know. I, ironically, what keeps going through my mind is the replay of Kevin coming back the last time he played in the playoffs, and then tearing his ACL because he came back to. Okay, early. I, I again. I, I'm never going to root for injury, so I'm saying, uh, I'm saying Kevin's fully healthy. One, you talk about that championship belt of. Uh, enthusiasm, vigor of intensity. It it's Kevin oh, it now. Is. It is. I mean, if you if you ever listen to him on a podcast, like he is every bit of the Jordan Kobe, like he's a killer. Yeah. And, and I think if you could get KD coming off of injury, Kyrie be back right then. Now you add Dimwitty and you add that 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 Nets group that has not gelled and and for lots of reasons and part of it gets blamed on Kyrie for good reason. I'm a big fan of his, but he he also hasn't been a great teammate. I'll take them over Milwaukee because KD can shut down Giannis. I don't think he can. I think it'll be fun to watch. I don't. I think. I think KD has the height, but he does not have the body mass. He's a great defender. He, he, sure, he's a great perimeter defender. And, sure, and LeBron dominated Giannis just a couple weeks ago. Yeah, but it's it's different. I mean, LeBron has damn near a hundred pounds on KD size wise, eighty pounds. Giannis isn't 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 far off. I don't know. I think, you know what? It'll be very fun to watch. Uh, I am with you. I believe, I believe that if the season were to f- play out and finish. I, I don't know if there's any team that can beat the Lakers this year. Okay. So if they only let eight teams in, then this is that possibility. But now I'm going to go to some other hypothetical world. So the NBA says, Hey, we feel bad because you wouldn't have known what was going to happen with new Orleans. They could have gotten in. Maybe they, they won't now, but they could have. Right. We don't want anyone to be left out. So we're going to do the old Bill Simmons entertaining his hell tournament. 
everyone's in single game playoff for the bottom two seeds. Stop it. Steph and Clay. Golden State gets back in as the eighth seed. <laughs> tell me you wouldn't tell me you wouldn't be watching that first round it, just smiling ear to ear. So, so who's on who's on Golden State's roster right now? So right now Does it does it matter? It does. It does matter. So okay, let's say Stephen Ste- Clay, Steph Curry, Draymond, Clay, and Wiggins. Draymond, Wiggins. Who else? No, it doesn't it matter. Doesn't, they don't have any other well, players. No, but like who's their center? It was who was their center when they won their first title? Uh Looney. It was not Looney. It was Andrew Bogut. Okay. Well, then it was Javel. Do you McGee, know why it didn't and matter? It was Looney. Do, okay, and McGee is gone. You. Looney is still there. Marcus I, just never played a game. Fo- Your Honor, I rest my case. But Wiggins is not. Wiggins <laughs> is not the player that everybody thought he was going to be coming out of college. No, but Wiggins plus uh, Clay and Steph might be something. Maybe, but you know who they don't have is Iguodala. Yeah, maybe it's Iggy and, sh- and and Livingston. And they didn't have a bench, but the bench they had had fucking heart. Look, I just think it'd be entertaining. It, it would um, be. Here's the upside because the season got canceled. I get to declare the Rockets as the champion in my mind, um, and that's all that matters. So moving on, uh, you know what's uh, <laughs> so uh, you know I can't leave that without commenting. Um, here's what I love about this: you are not a Russell Westbrook fan, and now he wears a Rockets jersey. My life is complete. Uh, I love Russ Ben James. So fun to root for them. You hate Russ. I hate. I hate Russ. I don't hate anybody. You hate Russ. No, no, no. If this was a game of pickup basketball based on your likeness for the player, he would be the last pick, and you just have to take him because he's the only one left. <laughs> Look, there. There's a great debate to have about who's a better running back, Saquon Barkley or Ezekiel Elliott. Saquon. But as a Cowboys fan, it doesn't matter. It's Zeke. It's Saquon. But as a Cowboys fan, it doesn't matter. The answer is Zeke. Okay, let's let's let me rephrase it. I rooted against Charles Barkley until he was a Rocket. If they were on any other team, you would hate Russ, because you did when he was on every other team. One other team, yeah, totally. Yeah. Uh, but he's on my team now. Yeah. Look, if if the Detroit Pistons ever got a decent player, you would love them no matter what. I you would still hate them. them. I would just say I'm glad I have them on my team. There's a difference. No. Yeah, see, I can come on. No, I can see, I can do that. You, you just can't. But it's okay. It's fair. I'm a homer for my team. So it's, it's fine. fine. Uh, so there's no reason to talk about sports because there are no sports. No, right actually, now. I do have, I do have one other thing to talk about in sports in general, and on the impact of sports, and this ties into quarantine life, which, which I think is going to be, um, I mean, obviously, it's what's dominating the world right now. What, what does next look like? For you and and what do you think is going to happen with sports in general? You know, news came out today after Canada and Australia uh, released that they would bypass the Olympics this year, the Tokyo Games in the summertime. Uh, that the Summer Olympics have been delayed now. So when you think about you know current current sports seasons with hockey and basketball and you know Major League Soccer or just soccer in general, but even upcoming, you know, Major League Baseball was set to start here pretty soon. Uh, obviously, training camp and and stuff for the NFL set to start pretty soon. Um, what's next for sports? I, I think you could do this question about a lot of broader topics than sports, and you'd get the same outcome, which is in the immediate future everything's different because people are going to be so affected by this. You know, both economically, right, but also emotionally, with this idea of 
I, I mean, let's say this clears up in three months and you have a concert four months from now. Are you going? And when you go, or are you just good? Like you're not going to think about it. The next time you're at a movie theater and the guy next to you sneezes, are, are you going to be all right? I mean, we think about it now. I get a little itch in my throat and I'm like, oh shit, I have Corona. When really it's just allergies. I don't think that's permanent. Eventually people go back to, we know this, right? Like whatever the topic is, something big happens. Everyone radically shifts themselves for a few months and then they settle back into their old ways. So I'm not pretending that people won't go back to what they know, but I do think what it exposes is that you could do things a little bit differently. You know, I've always kind of believed that the model of, you know, 30,000 people, 25,000 people in a stadium watching an NBA game is really dumb. Actually, it should be 5,000 people like it. It would be more intimate. It would be a better game. Um, and I think that some smaller stadiums, some smaller builds are, are probable from stuff like this to try to reduce some of those risks. Um, but also, I think what will be really interesting is when something comes back and whatever sport does it first. So let's say it's baseball and they decide that because they're all six feet away from each other, they can play first. I mean, people are going to latch on to that. Like baseball was honestly, I believe, probably going to have the lowest um, viewership of its history this year. And it might not when this is all said and done, because people do want sports. They want the I want it. I want the ability to, I don't know, separate real life for a minute and root for something like Russell Westbrook and argue whether he's a good player or a bad player because it takes you away. And so it'll be really fun to see that part come back, but it will be interesting to see if it comes back the way we expect it, which is fans in stadiums and you and me sitting at a bar watching a game, or if it becomes a little more isolated, a little more exclusionary. And then the ones that are like the Olympics, I mean, I don't don't know what you do there because you're talking about had they had that, could there be a more awful, you know, breeding ground for a virus than bring a few people from every country in the entire world together at the same place at the same time (laughs) in a small confined quarter. Yeah. Probably not the, probably not the best trade off there. You know, listening to you talk about the changes that could happen with sports. I think some of those changes are probably for the better and not just better from a population standpoint, but also better from an experience standpoint. Like I think about something you mentioned with, you know, 5,000 or 10,000 people stadiums versus 20 and 30 and 40,000 people stadiums. I think the trade-off for that, though, for, for us as people, that's a great experience. For corporations, there's one or two things that happen if you do that. You either double or triple the cost of a ticket, or you say, I don't care about people. And... We'll do the form. Yeah, well, well, no. <laughs> Unfortunately, I I think it's I don't care about people because... It's, oh, I see. yeah, yeah. Um, I I, w- I, w- I was picking the other option as saying we don't care about money. Sorry, sure. Uh, and I knew that wasn't the yeah, option. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. There is a third option that's just not going to happen. Right. Well, sure. Um, but you're right. I mean, it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the next few months. I unfortunately think it's pretty realistic to say that any current sports season is over. They're probably not going to finish it. Uh, yeah. If the NBA does finish its season, it'll probably be without fans. Uh, I think it's safe to say that college seasons are over anyway. That that was from day one. It was you know just assumed they would be done. Baseball should be interesting. I wonder. Baseball is the one that I think will be maybe the most positively impacted by this in the long run. I agree. Uh, yep. I think what we're going to see is a shorter season this year, 
And I think it's going to lead to a lot of conversations as the season goes on into the offseason to shorten the seasons anyway. Um, maybe not 80 games, but 160 games is a little aggressive. I think 100, 120 games is probably more realistic. Maybe add two more teams to the playoff picture to give more teams a chance of actually doing something great. Because as it stands yeah. right now, four teams per conference kind of sucks for teams. Uh, it's cool for fans, but it kind of sucks for the other, you know, 15 teams or so uh, in each conference. So it'll be interesting to see what comes of that. But for now, we are in quarantine life. And yeah, we are, uh, well, I guess officially, unofficially, our, our first week is done uh, of self-imposed quarantines. Uh, some parts of the country are not so self-imposed. Um, but, you know, I wanted to ask you a few questions about it. So your situation and my situation are very different. So I am still going to work, although it's only a, a couple, two to three hours a day only a few days a week. Uh, and, you know, when I'm at home, it's just me and my dog currently. So for you, you are not going to work. And when you're at home, you are with the whole family. So uh, I would like to know what has been the hardest part for you this past week? Um, and what was, what's been your most enjoyable? And I think I know the most enjoyable, but what's been the hardest part for you this past week? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you know, so I, so I'm still working, but I'm just doing it remotely. And um, obviously, there's a, a tremendous reduction in the amount of work to do in a job like mine. Um, but my wife is still working all of the hours, if not more than ever before, because uh, her busy season doesn't change. Her job doesn't slow down. There is no, hey, a virus hit, you're off. It's just do it from a different place. Um. So a lot of our life right now is a, is a handoff. I, I, I'm constantly looking over my shoulder right now as we do this because this is my lunch break. And uh, that just means that the kids are sleeping. And when they wake up, I'm back. Um, and so as soon as they wake up, our podcast is over. And, um, you know, one of the interesting parts about all of this is how you find balance in those moments. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I got up this morning early so I could get a workout in. Um, and then. Linz took the kids for that, took them downstairs for breakfast. I had a call. So I went downstairs, took over, you know, then I had another call where I was hosting. So she took over for an hour. Then I was back on duty. Now I got down for a nap. So I ate lunch real quick and did this. Then it's back. I've got another call after this. And so, you know, you have that, you know, just kind of push and pull of getting things done. And, and not to complain about that, because I think one of the things that I'm very appreciative of is for where I work and the way that they're asking us to work, I have an incredible amount of flexibility. Um, and actually, the hardest part is not any of that. It's it's listening to everyone else. Um, because right now, if you go online, it starts with a very funny, consistent message from everyone, which is, oh, my God, we should pay teachers more. We should pay daycare more. This is really hard. All true. I enjoy that message. But then you start to see people creep up about, oh, yeah, this is impossible. How do you ever do it? Ah, oh, man, I struggle with that. Like, I struggle with that because I know, you know, watching a single mom out there that's doing that every day of their life and they're reading that on Facebook and all they can think is, go to hell. Yeah. Like, what, you have to watch your kids for a change? Like, you'll be all right. And so there's this really delicate balance between the humor of it, which is fine and I think should exist. And then where people are overstating it into this like morbid, 
you know, terrible thing because at the end of the day, to the second part of your question, what is the best part? Well, this is the most amount of time I'm ever going to get with my kiddos and hard and tedious and stressful. Sure. All that stuff is true, but also like uh, watching Gavin today, he, so, so he got up, he wanted breakfast, he ate four bowls of Cheerios with bananas. Beast mode. And then an hour and a half later, he, he wanted lunch can we can we just real quick share for everybody how old gavin is for context oh yeah yeah he's two and he's and he's 80 bits he's 24 pounds (laughs) um and he uh wanted lunch and he ate a sandwich and he ate two things of yogurt and eight strawberries and six crackers and was still hungry when it was done which just means he's in a growth spurt right but like it's funny. It's a thing that would happen at school and he would eat and I would never think about it. But when you're home with it, it's kind of like, oh, like, I know you're growing right now. And it's so cool. And like, yeah. I was just laughing at the joy of all that. So I don't take any of this for granted. This is a blessing right now to get to be home with them. Um, and I am incredibly lucky to do what I do for a living and be allowed to do this right now. Um and they're still driving me nuts and it's still hard. And I still appreciate their teachers and schools <laughs> and uh, everything, all the other things people say, but, but truthfully, it's really actually special to be able to do all this. Yeah. You know what I love about what you said is, is that you are really taking a situation and what you've done is you found, you know, the, the silver lining in it, right? How do I turn this situation, whatever the situation is into a positive? And, you know, I think a lot of people can, can learn from that and try to do the same thing. And, and what it's going to do is make, every moment that you do have more enjoyable. Uh, for me, I, I am also fortunate to work for a company that allows the flexibility uh, in times like this to to do my work um, without necessarily having to put myself in the line of fire, so to speak. Yeah. Uh, and they still take care of us. And, you know, the, the hard part for me, the challenge here really has been the distance between me and my wife and this right now, as we speak, I should be in Arizona, uh, getting you know packing to come back to Alabama uh, tomorrow, and you know obviously that trip got canceled due to everything that's happening, and you know it'll probably be another month or so um, before I'm able to see her again, and that's been the challenge. But on on the flip side, it has definitely given me uh, appreciation for what people do in their lives. And I think it's really easy to sit back and complain. I think our human nature says, I'm just going to talk about or want anything I don't have yeah, uh, and complain about it. But, you know, it's, it's been some great time for reflection. And, you know, we, we spoke the other day about uh, some, some changes in our, in our eating habits, at least with mine and my lifestyle. And I will say that having two weeks to really focus on my um, new lifestyle change, my keto lifestyle, has actually been really nice and not a challenge. And that was the one thing I had uh, really was concerned about going into it, is how do I keep the cravings down when I'm home all day? And so that's actually been the most enjoyable for me. So one final question for you. What's the first thing you're going to do when this is all over? What's the, 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 the number one thing that you've just been dying to do, but you can't because of a self-imposed or a non-self-imposed quarantine. I'm a really touchy-feely person. Like, my native approach to people, when I see someone, I'm going to dab them up, right? I'm going to give them a big hug. And um, obviously, with my kids and stuff, that's still fine. But for uh, the last few weeks at work, every time I'd see someone, it was Wi-Fi, right? Like, 
from far away. Hope you're doing great. Good to see you over there. Air hug. Yeah. <laughs> um, which is just not me. Um, and so I really just want to have that human connection with people. Like I, I know it seems really silly, but like, uh, you know, my kids can't hug their aunt right now and they, you know, can't go see their grandma and give her a big hug or love on their grandpa. And like, I just want to go do a little tour uh, of humanity and share some love with people. And, um, yeah, I mean, shoot, I can get my car and drive somewhere. I don't need to go shopping. Like none of that stuff is fun. Um, but it's really weird to not have any human contact aside from the five people that live in my house every day, which are beautiful and I love them all. Um, but it's just a weird feeling to not have that elsewhere. What about you? I think it's very much the same. That human experience piece, like I haven't had it for two weeks. I still go out, you know, I still go to, like I said, I go to work a few days a week and I do see people and it is a lot of, uh, I'm not a fan of the elbow bumps. Definitely not a fan of the, the, the shoe taps. If you know, for, for those who, you know, me and my shoes, like I'm not touching your shoes with my shoes. That's not happening. Uh, so I've kind of resorted to the air, air, air waves or, uh, I've been doing like this Japanese bowing thing, like just a quick, you know, like a quick bow or a head nod. But yeah, I miss the high fives. I miss the hugs and the fist bumps. And uh, ironically enough, and this isn't so much to talk about work, like the act of the actual job, but I miss standing side by side someone and talking about whatever, you know, whether it's life related or work related. um, I miss that. Like I'm going to um, out in the field tomorrow and it will be a lot of conversations and it's really just for moral support for them. But it's like, I'm micro aware of six feet right now, which is a little silly, but I have to be. And I, the more and more I do it, the more and more I realize I hate it. It's not me. Um, so that's, that's a, that's a really, that's a big thing. And I honestly, I hadn't really thought of it of that until you mentioned it. Um, selfishly, the one thing I want to do is just go watch a movie. Yeah. You love it. Yeah, I do love movies, and you'd think that I... Oh, I watched a movie. Oh, what'd you watch? What'd you watch? I watched Knives Out. It's pretty good. It's really good. Yeah, I saw it in the theaters. I totally enjoyed it. It's fantastic. I it watched was quirky a... and funny and reminded me of Clue, but in a really different way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I watched a movie last night that was none of the above. I almost actually texted you and said... That's the name of the movie? No, 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 no. It's none of what you just said about a movie applied to what I watched last night. Oh, wait, let me guess. So it's not quirky. It's not funny. It's not cute. Nope. Um, so it was dark. You watched the new uh, Jordan Peele movie? No, Us. no, 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 no. I did watch a new movie, the new Aladdin movie, and I feel like I wasted two hours of my life. Yeah, that's two hours you're never getting back. I could have told never. you that. Yeah, never. Um, that's what my life is resorted to. It's watching horrible live action remakes of movies. Although the Lion King remake uh, live action was was pretty good the aladdin one not so much all right so with that uh john i want to thank you so much for jumping on today um and being a part of the first ever uh episode of 21 pod um as i mentioned before like i've been wanting to do this for a very long time and uh a lot of the encouragement and kind of gentle nudging is because of you and i i'm really glad that you got to be a part of this with me so thank you very much, sir. I really appreciate it. And I hope your uh, your quarantine time 
goes great. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you. Talk soon. Take care.